everybody? Welcome to Backyard Blue. 2.0. Yes, sir. Just two brothers talking sports and whatever else comes our way. I'm brother number one by birth order anyway. I'm Blake Miller. Students call me Mr. Miller. Mama calls me Moose. We don't know why. It's okay. On the other side of the screen is my brother from the same mother. Brother number two, the hunt dog, the hunt daddy, the head hunter. My daughter calls him Hump. Hey, Hump. No travel What's this going week? on? I was supposed to be in Wichita. I had to change a plan, so I'm actually home for the week. So now I just got the next three hear... weeks on the road. So, oh man, can you hear the word Wichita without? I'm going to Wichita. Now, exactly. It, when that song came out, that's when we did our one of our uh, big basketball tournaments was in Wichita, Kansas. I remember that song came out like three weeks before we went out there. Man, that's a top five like favorite song ever for me. Oh, and probably like the best live like for live sporting events, the best song to get the crowd oh, yeah. going. Like hands down, that's the best one. And then when Pat McAfee came out to it at WrestleMania last year, I was, I was hoping that was going to be his theme song. Moving me too. Forward. That'd have been cool. I think going to Wichita is the only song, I mean, the only part of the song that our mom actually knows. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> probably so. She says it all the time. Whenever we talk about the song, is that the Wichita song? Yes, mom. That's, That's right. it. That's it. I'm going to Wichita. All right. So today we're going to catch up on all the things we missed from the last week in sports. So much has happened. Since we last talked, I mean, so much, some of it good, some of it not so good. The Grizzlies have been ultra depressing. The Tigers blew a game against Tulane. How? Sean Payton was hired. D'Amico Ryans was hired. Tom Brady retired. And somebody sold some sand for like $100,000 from the beach he retired on. That's crazy. Don't forget AJ Green. He retired. A young man named Kyrie Irving, who may or not be older than me, got traded. Big stuff. Well, there's a lot that things today, dude. That's a lot. That's like a month worth of stuff in one week. We'll talk about those things today, and then close the show with some random questions. So, what did I miss? If you lived under a rock last week. And you thought the Grizzlies were going to be good at basketball again after beating the Pacers and Jaron beat the case last Sunday night. Man, you were dead wrong. The Grizzlies had another winless week. Womp, womp, womp. Losers of three straight now. And it just feels like all the storylines out of the Grizzlies, it's just, it's poor. It's nothing's good right now. Total bad vibes, negative energy around the whole thing. I mean, we've gone from a fan base living on the moon to one in despair. Uh, what are your thoughts on them losing three straight? Ooh, it's, um, I don't know. It, it Every game that we walked into before this little, what, eight of nine stretch that we've lost, you kind of felt like you were going to win every game. We'd come out in the third quarter, you know, Start a blowout, you get up 20 points, fourth quarter, maybe you bring your starters back for a few minutes, but then bench players in with four minutes left. And I know Steven Adams is out, but this started back before Steven Adams went out. Like they they had that bad three or four game stretch before he went out. But it's um 
I don't know. There's just something weird going on. And I don't, you know, we had the job mess, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but there's something going on. I don't know if it, I remember Tony Allen saying that when the trade deadline came around, he would have his phone in his pocket waiting for a notification that he just got traded. And so I wonder if mm-hmm. there's some of that going on in the locker room, especially with everybody talking about Dylan Brooks and how bad he's been for oh. the past month. And I wonder if there's a little bit of, does he know he's being talked about in trade rumors? Are there, are the trade rumors real? Like he's got to have that in the back of his mind. Cause he was a totally different player the past eight games. He just didn't have the same fire. So maybe we get through the, um, the trade deadline, get to the all-star break. It looks like they're just mid season woes and, and hopefully that's it. But it's uh, I don't know. You just can't put your finger on what's going on. It just seems like they're not the same high energy team that they've all, they've been for the past three years. It really reminds me of Jaws' first season. That uh, that was the bubble year, right? And yep. I feel like they had this ability to like just play teams really close and like just hang with good teams despite not actually being one themselves. And the way they've played has reminded me of that of that year where it's like, man, we're hanging with whoever it is, it's a really good team, and I'm. I'm watching like we're rookies playing ball. Like, I mean, like this is a bunch of young guys out there just hoping to hang in the game. And man, I don't know. It's just something, something's different. I'm with you. They're struggling to close games. Uh, I miss blowouts when they would just beat the you know, mess out of everybody. And it's just not, it, it hadn't been that way. I'm really thankful for that 11 game win streak. Cause it's really propped up, you know, I mean, it's really, it's really helped them out during this long run yep. of just poor play. They're still in second yep. place, so I guess it's not all doom and gloom. You know, you take second place in the East. If I, I mean, the second place in the West. If I told you what the record would be today, you'd probably be okay with it. And if absolutely, at least the seed. They're still second. It's not all bad. There's been some good things to come out of it. We'll get to those later. But the biggest story I think in the last week, and it's already been talked about a lot in uh, local media, but is uh, of a guy Dylan the villain. I'm gonna call him Dylan the Nard Puncher. Now, um, he decided to swing his fist into Donovan Mitchell's nards last week. Seemed like a great idea, like wrestling on a trampoline, but they weren't. They were playing an NBA basketball game. Proceeded to lead to like what is an NBA fight with air quotes around it. Not a real fight, but a lot of pushing and shoving. Some uh, some really harsh words from Donovan Mitchell after the game. Do you have a take on the Dylan nard puncher? thing not really not you know anything different than i think what most people said in the local media because the national media just made it out like oh this was on purpose you know this is what he does because that's what donovan mitchell said afterwards but um i do think he did it on purpose i don't think he meant to hit him there i thought at first it was dirty because he rolled up on his ankle like that's what i was looking at for the first five minutes and even i didn't notice until i got on twitter that he actually Got him in the uh, in the nard. So um, I had the the sound off, or no, driving or something. Um, so I didn't see it in real time. But um, yeah, I don't know. It just they say he's a dirty player. He's never really had like flagrant fouls or you know, like I don't I don't think he's dirty. Um, I think he plays with an edge that most people in the NBA don't nowadays. So it seems more aggressive, but I don't think he's a dirty player. But I think sometimes his aggression 
and his competitiveness turns into almost like the Grayson Allen thing where he just does something just reactionary. Like he, and doesn't even think about it. I think that's kind of what that was. Like he was so frustrated. He didn't get a call. He's been terrible for a month. And it's just like, this is what I'm going to do. Um, I don't know. I, I still have the same opinion of Dylan Brooks as I've always had. That didn't change anything. Yeah. It didn't change anything for me either. But I do kind of feel like I had this what-if moment earlier. Like, what if the last shot that Dylan takes as a Grizzly is his fist to Donovan Mitchell's nards? Maybe he didn't play tomorrow night, and then he's – you know, we got a game Friday. We go with somebody else there, and his last shot is actually punching Donovan Mitchell in the nards. That seems like it would be the uh, – I don't know, the ideal end, like in terms of just kind of putting the bows, coming up of uh, what Dylan Brooks' run was like here. He's he's really responsible in a lot of ways for the kind of culture they've created. And, like, I, some of it's good, some of it's not. I do think that he's the only guy on the team who, when that happened, that you would automatically think that it was on purpose. Like, I think if anybody else on the team did it, it'd be like, oh, that was totally an accident. Maybe Adams. <laughs> Adams seems like he might be a, a nard puncher, but you probably would catch him, dude. He's probably going to find a way to – Hide it. Bring it all around here, mate. Going to get him. Maybe. <laughs> and then probably say, yeah, four or times like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just – I don't think he was – yeah, he's the most likely on our team to do that. But the whole dirty player, like, if you go back, he doesn't – like, the Gary Payne thing is, is coming off that. So, I think that's why he's labeled yeah. a dirty player. If that didn't happen last playoffs, this wouldn't be a thing. He would have just been like, oh, they made a mistake, move on. But because of the Gary Payton thing last year, now he looks like a dirty player. You know, I always thought Grayson wasn't a dirty player either, but he kind of – he did develop a reputation and kind of leaned into it a little bit. It just seemed like a pattern of behavior. Like, just, all right, we got we got to make sure we're not doing this kind of stuff. Someone needs to have that chat with Dylan, uh, whether it's here or, or on his next team, whenever that may be. Um I, It's kind of exhausting, the whole thing. Uh, and this, this is just the beginning. Like, this was – by yesterday, by today, it was like the third or fourth crazy thing that had happened, and I had almost forgotten it. And like that would have been one of the bigger negative storylines of last year. But it leads into the whole like jaw entourage story. You know that comes out uh, yesterday before the Raptors game. It breaks that he's not going to play, and shortly after the story comes out, and that basically the Pacers accused. John's entourage of pointing a laser at them, which I'm guessing is going to be from a, a laser scope. They, you know, said they were in grave danger. And I, I had it put this way. They didn't call the cops. There were no, no police called, but they had time to call the athletic. I don't know, man. Like, it's just something about the story feels fishy. Maybe it's rose-colored glasses looking at it. I do think there's lessons to be learned here for Ja. Like, you got to tighten up. Like, your name's on the line. You've got to make sure that, like, these kind of stories can't come out with you. You've got the bag. You've got the shoe. Like, you are one of the faces of the NBA. You're beloved. Like, I'm, I got a class full of fifth graders with this jersey, always wanting to know. I mean, I had a, had a fourth grade teacher ask me the other day to write her math problems about John Moore because her kids are super fans. Well, those kids read this story. They're going to have access to it. Like, what kind of message does it send to them? And a lot of times it's just reading the headline. Like nobody's going to go through and click through and read the story and think, okay, this is something, there's something a little phony about this whole thing. But his name is attached to it. Even though he wasn't involved, his name is still attached to it. Like I, I really think that, you know, this is a chance to, I don't know, just tighten the strings a little bit and, and, you know, just be a little more careful with your image going forward. You, 
when you're as good as he is, you have to protect those things. What were your thoughts on that, uh, that story? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, stupid. Like even to have yourself in that position is just stupid. Um, but then you think about it, you know, he's 23 year old, 23 years old and he's about to have an extension kick in where he's going to be making what? 35, $40 million a year or something like that. And, uh, I know if you handed me that type of money at 23 years old, I'm probably not making the, uh, the best decisions. And I think you, there's a, Part of him that, you know, everything has been good. He's he's the darling. He's got the shoe coming out. He's kind of becoming the young face of the NBA. Like, you know, maybe I'm 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 bigger than all this, and I won't get in trouble. And it, I could see like somebody having a laser pointer and playing a joke, but that's not a joke. You know what I mean? Like, if you you're scaring somebody's life, and that's not funny. But I could see as a 23 year old something like that happening. Like, oh, that's kind of funny. You know, just not thinking about more than what it is, right? Um, so I think just being 23 years old, immature, and he's around a bunch of immature people. But, you know, on the team, like we don't have veterans. His friends are the same age. They're going out and doing what 23-year-olds do. So um, I think he'll learn. I think, you know, the bar's been set with LeBron. He came in the league and never got in trouble and was like this perfect guy. But that, like, that's the one. Like everybody else goes through stuff. And to have that much fame that young, it just uh, – it's tough. But I think, you know, learn from – learn from mistakes and, and move forward. And hopefully these bad stories are out of the, the news soon. I really hope so. I, I think he can stay positive going forward. His on-court play is, is what I think ultimately people pay the most attention to. And that's not going anywhere. At least I don't think so. Um, I did read yesterday, like a lot of people were comparing him to like Allen Iverson and like talk about the, how, you know, kind of the off-court stuff that he dealt with throughout his career. Some of it before he came into the league, you know, we need an entire podcast about the stories of Allen Iverson, but the difference is like he what Jaws not been involved in the same kind of stuff that Iverson was involved no. in. Like his stuff was far more severe. But people were talking about him yesterday, kind of similarly, and I think that's probably just the knee jerk instant reaction that fans feel they have to have about these types of things. My gut just kept saying like, okay, there's this is a story that seems worse than it is, but there's at least smoke, so there's probably some sort of fire here. And at the very least, it's a lesson to be learned for Ja going forward. This kind of stuff can't happen. Like, just bottom line, it can't happen. It's something that just absolutely cannot happen. Um, his name's attached to it. You just have to be careful when you're in that kind of position. Um, all right, that's the two bad stories. I think the worst, I mean, along with on-court play of the team, which has just been brutal. Another interesting note here was that Zaire Williams got sent to the hustle today. Now, I don't know if this is a long-term thing. I don't know what kind of message this sends, but did you have any thoughts when you saw that Zaire was going to play for the hustle? Yeah, just like more details. Maybe it's just to get more practice time or whatever. Like, you know, there's times where maybe the NBA team is not having practice, but they can go down and run fives or something with the hustle, and you have to just designate that. But, um, I mean, he hasn't been good, so if it's for a a long-term – uh, it's a long-term thing. Maybe it, you know, it's just, Hey, you need more run and you're not getting enough run with how you've been playing. Like you're hurting the team. So let's, let's go figure it out. Do you need to get in a rhythm? Is your knee still bothering you? Are there things we got to work through? Like, um, so him playing more basketball, kind of like the James Wiseman thing, um, in golden state, he just hadn't played, 
you know, when he was at Stanford, it was the COVID season and he, he was hurt last year some and he did play a lot, but he was still a rookie, not getting big minutes. And he really hadn't played much this year. Maybe it's just one of those things, hey, just go play, get your legs under you and and let the game slow down a little bit. And if that's what happens, cool. I just um, – I haven't sold my Zaire stock, but uh, we're starting to think about it. Yeah, it's at least like in the question mark pile. Whereas, I don't know, last year you really felt like it was going to be a big thing with him taking this leap forward. But, like, in reality, like, second-year guys don't take those kind of leaps in the NBA anymore. It's, it's not typical. Desmond Bain is the exception, not the rule. It used to be that the second year was a big jump, but now it seems to be the third year. It seems like it's like if a rookie comes in and plays well year one, a lot of times they regress back because the league has a scouting report on them. And yeah, but I don't think you – Do you like, adjust or do you not? Yeah, but it, I think he he just can't do anything right now. No. Like I think it he's it's not even he's the same as last year because you would take what he gave you in the playoffs. Like he was good in the playoffs last year in his minutes. And so you were kind of looking at that going, oh, if he builds off those those playoff minutes, he'll he'll be good. We'll have a good role player. Um but it I mean, it's not a step back. Like he's taken three, four, five steps back. Like he's unplayable. And I get that I you know, this guy could be so dynamic, and this is what we've looked for since Honestly, since like Rudy left and Rudy at the end of the Grizzlies thing was what it was, but like that was the prototypical, like this is what we got to go get this six nine, six ten small forward that can shoot, dribble, play make, and and defend. And I'm sorry, he's just got the one one positive of being six ten. Like the rest ain't yeah, there. It's just tight. Yeah. That's it. He's he's in the uh, TFN territory, the all for nothing territory that Tony likes to label. And like Santi is so this. much better than him. Oh yeah, I didn't realize this. But he's actually a, now a sub thirty percent three point shooter for his career, and they view him as a three and D guy. I, it, you just can't have that out there. You're right; he is unplayable right now. I think it's good to go send him down for some inconsequential, you know, game action. But like, I guess what I want to know, like, and I'm probably not going to know this. They're not going to show these kind of things, like. Is this a signal of what's going to happen Thursday with him? I don't think they can count on him as a key member of this rotation going forward. Maybe he can work it out. I guess Tillman went down, got some run when he wasn't playing, and came back up, and he's actually been pretty valuable, even though they've lost these games. It helped him. You, you know what this makes me think, though? What's that? Is that is you wouldn't send him to the G League if he was a trade piece. Yeah. Because the the – the look of it is this guy's not playable. And so that's going to hurt trade value, right? So uh, does that just point in a direction of them maybe not doing as much or was he never going to be on the table for a trade because they believe in him? But he's he's a young player that you would think three, four weeks ago or coming off the playoffs last year, like a pretty valuable – that's a basically a first-round pick, right? Like you're trading a first-round pick if you put him in a trade. But you can't send him to the G League if he's – if he's a part of a trade coming up this week, that just, or you're hoping he's a part of a trade that kills all value. So I uh, hadn't really thought about that till just now, but maybe that points to what I said last week. I don't think they're going to do anything in the trade deadline. It's very possible. And we'll get to that in a minute. The trade deadline stuff. Just uh, make a quick note about it here in a little bit. Now it wasn't all bad this week. I guess we did get some good positive stories coming out of the week, uh, despite, you know, being surrounded and still with, with, so much negativity and still kind of feeling an overall negative vibe from the whole week of Grizzlies basketball. Most of it, 
not on the court, although the on-court product was not great either. Not all of it was bad, though. We finally had to see the Grizz debut with Danny Green, and uh, the guy can still shoot, but, man, he looks like an old guy. He looks old. Have you got any thoughts on watching him play early on? No, just kind of what we thought. you got to give him 10 games or so before we make any judgment. Um, he's going to hit open shots. He's been hitting open shots for like 15 years, so didn't think that would be an issue. But it's all about defense. If he's just going to be a, a, a spot-up shooter that can't do anything else, uh, don't really have time for it, you know. Uh, so, exactly. But I do think they're going to see it, and he's another reason. I know we're going to get to the trade thing in a minute. They want to see what they have, and you're not going to see that in the – three games before the trade deadline. So, nope. um, but if we're relying on him to be our savior, whoo, not, not good. Not great, Bob. Simply put, not great. Now, what was great was seeing John Morant. We knew he was going to make the all-star team, but we didn't know Jaron was going to. I think this was a surprise. I, I would have put him on my 12, just based on his general on-court impact and just his defensive prowess. He would have been in mind, especially if you know having to put front court players there. I would have put him there over Anthony Davis, uh, just because I do think his on court impact is pretty impressive. They've been so good with him, and whereas like Anthony Davis, they were just like two games above five hundred with him. So, and, and I know the rest of his team is not as good, but still, Jaron's on court impact is completely undeniable, and I, I think this is just the beginning for him. I was so excited to see him being named an All Star. Did you have any seeing him that way? Yeah, I mean, I was shocked that he was made the all-star team just because more so for me than missed games, and I guess there's a lot of people at that position that have missed games. But um, I don't know if I would have had him in. He'd been right there on the on the line. He's obviously been the best defensive player in the league, so um, you wouldn't leave out, as, uh, as some others have said, you wouldn't leave out the best offensive guy in the league off the all-star game. Like, he's going to make it. So – uh, kudos to him. I, you know, it, it was pretty shocking. Though. I, I didn't expect it. I definitely didn't expect it either, which probably is what made it uh, so exciting. I remember I looked at it. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, Jeremy, the All Star team!" Like, I got I got really yeah. pumped up, and I'm. Uh, and I think him making the All Star team, he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. Oh yeah. Somebody uh, said, "Do you think he made the All Star team because everyone had to go back and watch those '66 home blocks?" <laughs> Dang, this guy's actually pretty good. It's not just oh, a wow. tweet and the story. Like, he's actually awesome. Yeah. I mean, he's been unbelievable. So, like, defensively, just defensively. And then he's still he's still good offensively. Like, he's still a good offensive player. It's not like, you know, Bam Adebayo is not a good offensive player. Like, he's strictly – like, he reminds me a little different. Like, Dwight Howard, just, just really good defensively, rebounds the ball, but really no offensive game to him. That's he's a not good passer. So – yeah, he is a very good passer. Um, not Jaron, but but Jaron has some some game to him. So people being outraged is is funny. Like he was right there on the bubble of getting it with five other players. You know, if they could have had more guards, he probably wouldn't have made it. But him being a big yeah. man and AD being hurt a little bit, um, I think is what what got him in. But awesome for him. Like he he works his butt off, and he's so much fun to watch uh, on the defensive end. So it's uh. Hopefully, he doesn't get pissed, picked last in the uh, in the draft that they do. You know, I had some fans talk to me yesterday. I was talking with a couple of people and, and just kind of mentioning like how 
rooting for the team feels exhausting because you feel like you're having to defend Josh stuff, you know, the entourage thing that you're trying to defend Dylan. And my, my thought immediately was, well, what about Jaron, man? Like he's just the best guy. I mean, I, I freaking love that guy. He's so much fun on the court, off the court. He's just such, such an incredible personality. I mean, I just think he makes everything better I mean, as a fan. I, I really enjoyed the other guys too, Desmond Bain. And Josh, I, I think Josh is a good guy, just caught up in a little nonsense. I, you yep. know, I, I just, hey, let's point our attention to the guy who earned the all-star appearance and is doing things the right way on and off the court. Absolutely. Um, so here's an interesting question. There's a lot of fans right now saying that this losing streak signifies that a trade has to be made, that the Grizzlies are definitely going to make a trade. This, you know, losing eight or nine, obviously we're not as good as we need to be. Let's make a move. Let's augment this whole thing right now. Let's get better. And I I can totally see that. That's not a nonsense opinion to have. But it made me wonder about the front office. And do they see this bad stretch as a reason to strengthen up and go for it? Or is it a sign to them that this is not the real window? This is not the time. We're not we're really not good enough, even if we add stuff. And we shouldn't give up any future assets. Did you have any take on that? No, I um, – because I, I don't think they see, like, certain stretches as – like I, I feel like if you're riding that roller coaster, especially as the people that are running a team, like you're going to get caught. Oh, like yeah. if we're if we had this 11 game winning streak going into the trade deadline, everybody been going, oh hey, let, we can't break this up. Like we're we got an 11 game winning streak going on. We're never going to lose again. Go ahead and plan the parade, right? And then you go the other way, you lose eight to nine, a couple losing streaks in a row, and uh, I don't think they feel the highs and lows. They're just they just stay steady and they look at analytics and they look at um, locker room and fit and what coaches are saying. And they're going to make the best. If they make a deal, they make a deal because it makes the team better for now, but also in the long term. I think that's where people, when people say we're cashing in, doesn't mean you're mortgaging everything. You got to find something that goes along with the, this team and their age and where they're going. Um, so I, when people say we're mortgaging everything, no, that's this is what you're building all the picks for is to do this, to get somebody that fits into your plan that you can still have a window for the next five to seven years. So do I think it changed their mind? No, just because I think, like I said, if you're riding the roller coaster throughout a year and you're making decisions based on a 10-game a sample size, um, you're probably making a mistake. So that would be the only reason I think the front office doesn't look at it either way. You know, that – we're contender now or we're not. I think they look at it as, can we make our team better for now and the long term? They seem to always defy conventional wisdom too. Like if everybody else is saying, let's do this, they're kind of, they might end up doing that, but they're not, they're definitely not doing it because people are saying it. Um, I feel like they're definitely the type to be, we made this decision. We think that we should do this. We're still going to do this despite the on-court results. Like, they're going to – they trust themselves as scouts. So until they see things that change their mind, they're probably still stuck with the exact same thing they thought from the beginning. And 
I really have no idea what to expect. I think they could do the go all in, push the chips to the center of the table and go for it. I I really do think they do nothing. Like and just be content to ride the wave. I think I think they lose a lot of like goodwill that they've built up if they don't do anything though. And I don't they don't care about that. They're not playing for goodwill. But you know, goodwill helps put butts in seats and they're right around season ticket renewal time right now. And I think people want to see the window is shifted for the expectations have shifted for fans. Like, yeah, we're ahead of schedule, but like we, we need a new schedule because we were so ahead of schedule. So I yep. think I would say it's more likely that they go for it in some fashion. I, like I've been saying all along, like probably looking at marginal trades. Like I've been saying Alec Burks, I've heard people say Alex Caruso. I really like that one. They may even want to go get a backup big from somebody. I like the Gary Trent Jr. idea. He's not a big, but I mean, another shooter. I like Malik Beasley, like things that don't cost a whole lot uh, and don't, you know, we still feel set up for the future, not not giving away a bunch of draft picks and stuff so we can keep this thing rolling for a while. But here's another thing I was thinking about. Somebody made this point the other day. It was like, if we draft guys next year, they're not going to be able to be on the roster. Like, unless we move guys we already have, we don't have enough expiring contracts right now to put the guys we draft next year on the roster. So, like, they're going to get in the situation where it's like, okay, yeah, we got future guys, but like, how many of them are we actually going to keep? They're going to, the movement has come. If it's not this year, it's definitely next year. That's, that's my thought. Yeah, I mean, they're going to make a deal at some point. I'll just stick to what I've, I've thought. I hope I'm wrong. I don't think they'll make a, a move, and they'll make something in the offseason. They make a lot of moves every offseason, and I think it'll be the same way this year. Um, I just don't – their motive has been not to make in-season trades and in-season deals, and I just think that's probably what's going to happen. Um, again, I hope I'm wrong because I do think – all. all one thing has to break right for you in, in the playoffs for you to get make a run at the title. Like you're the number two seed, so you should you should get to play the Nuggets in the Western Conference Finals. Like if everything went as chalk, and then it's a toss up. And then every year somebody gets hurt in the playoffs, something happens, a team upsets another team. You know, you never know what's going to happen. So set yourself up to make that run, no matter what, no matter what they do. If the, if they think they can do that with the current roster. Great, because it could happen. But I just hope they – you got to keep yourself right there on the contending line because you never know when it just breaks your way. Yeah. I wouldn't punt the whole future, but I, I, I would be – I'd be investing in some things right now. That's just me. I, I, I wouldn't go I mean, you'd have to, all There'd in. be so much stuff you'd have to trade because you're not punting the future. If you got Jaron, Bain, yeah. and Ja, the future's bright regardless. Yes, I agree. I Everybody else, maybe now except for Steven Adams, maybe he's moved himself into the you can't trade him category. I, I mm-hmm. do believe that. Everybody else on the team can be traded. I completely agree with I that. I have Even no Clark. attachment. Brandon Clark, don't. If you get better trading. Tyus. Somebody who plays 15 minutes a game does not make or break your team. And like Tyus, I think it's going to be mentioned in there too. I, I think it's, like you said, it's the core three plus Adams. It's Bane, it's Jaron, it's Jaw, plus Adams. If we have those, I feel like everything else is going to be okay. I, I yep. mean, I think Roddy's going to work his way in there. It's not this year, but I think next year we're going to see Roddy take a good leap in his second year. He could be, be like, very good, but if somebody like him. said, we'll take him, 
and you're getting a better yeah. player for right now in the next four years, deal. I agree. Move on. I'm with it. I'm with it. I mean, you, sometimes you have to take those chances like that. Memphis Absolutely. has another basketball team. I'm not sure if uh, everybody knows. But the Memphis Tigers are still playing basketball. It didn't go so great this weekend, though. Lost to Tulane in overtime in a game they should have won. Did you? I don't know if you got to watch any of that. I watched every minute of it. Oh, excruciating. They what, just, what, you, you probably watch more than I do, so why don't you, why don't you tell us what you, what you thought? I thought they can. It was one of those games they controlled the entire game. Like they were up somewhere between eight and twelve points, or whatever it was, like eight to ten, the entire game. Um, and then the just the turnover bugs. They went on one of their little stretches at the end of the first half or the second half, where they couldn't score for you know the last four or five minutes, and uh, and Tulane takes it to overtime. They got up at one point. We kind of came back. Goes to overtime. But it's just you, you let a team hang around that shouldn't have hung around with you. You're you're controlling the entire game and, and you got beat. Um, they're not so talented where they're just going to put teams away. Like every game this year has been a fun forty minute game because they don't blow anybody out. And there's just going to be these times if they don't if they can't score when it matters most, they're going to lose some of these games. And it's the way it's been all year, and probably be the way it goes the rest of the year. It seems like Kendrick or DeAndre and or Kendrick and DeAndre and then not much else after that. And I think when you have teams that can focus on those guys, like your in conference teams who have now seen those guys over a number of years. I know Kendrick Davis you saw at SMU, but they're gonna have game plans for those guys and you're gonna have to have third and fourth options step up and in that game you just didn't see it. And you still see a lot of the same like poor decision making patterns, especially that late game three they took in in the corner with seven seconds to go. I'm sorry, you have to get the last shot there. Like there's no excuse, yep. you have to take the last shot. If it doesn't go in, you have to take it. You have to be the one taking yep. the last shot when you get the ball with seven seconds. It's a must. You have to do that. Um, I've heard a lot of complaints. Like switching to off the court, I've heard a lot of complaints about how the Lorenzen Wright. Uh, ceremony was handled. I wasn't there, so I can't give a full take on it. But I will say it did strike me as just being kind of weird. Not that they retired his number. I think that's awesome that he retired his number. He's he was he's an icon in this in this town. And uh like he was one of my first favorite Tiger basketball players. I love that guy. And and seeing that he played for the Grizzlies and gave so much of his time to our city, like his number should have been retired. I'm glad Penny fought for that to happen. But it struck me as being kind of strange that they retired his number on Larry Finch bobblehead giveaway day. Like, let's just make it all about Lorenzen. And I heard it was like a four or five minute thing at halftime. Penny wasn't even out, couldn't be out there for it. Like, and it was just completely awkward. I, I didn't see it. I haven't seen the video of it, but I've just, you know, from people I trust, I heard it was pretty strange. And I don't know. I would just have liked to see him honored in a bigger way because he deserved it. Yeah, I don't really have any thoughts. I didn't see it. Um, I did think it was where the bobblehead giveaway, but aren't they doing? Aren't they doing like a the seventy three team or something like that of each a bobblehead of each or something? I heard that maybe that's not true. I don't know. Um, it's something like maybe that. it was just one of the only games you could do it. I don't know. Who, like just, who knows? But it makes no sense. Yeah, um, it seems like a lot of stuff don't make sense with them. That athletic yeah, I did see somebody said the pouncer has to change his number now because he has fifty five. So, Pouncer's so got to Franklin. <laughs> we got to get some new numbers out there. How do we retire a number and we still have a guy on the court wearing it? 
They grandfathered him in. He was a freaking transfer who hadn't played a nothing, game, and they knew they were going to retire. Nothing like remembering Lorenzen Wright by uh, Demar Franklin. Oh my gosh! This the is last nuts. one before that was uh oh what, Gerald? No, what was his name? He played for Pastner's teams. Big muscular guard. Um, Johnson. Gerald John. Jerron Johnson, yeah, yeah, he should. Well, Precious wore it too, I think. I thought he. But did. One of those, uh, one of those two had to be the last to wear it. Should have been the last to wear it. Yeah, it shouldn't happen anymore. One more basketball note before we take a break, and this is about Kyrie Irving. I don't know if you heard. I'm sure you did. He was traded yesterday to the Dallas Mavericks. Along with Markeith Morris, the breakdown of the full breakdown of the trade is this Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris to Dallas for Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney Smith, a 2029 first round pick, and two second round picks. I believe those are in 27 and 29, but who cares uh, about the second round picks? I'll say that and then I'll draft like some all NBA guy. It would be weird. That's just how it goes, right? Contracts, I think it's important evaluating this. Kyrie's a free agent at season's end. And I've heard some people talk about like, even if they don't re-sign him, this frees up max space for them to go get somebody else in the offseason. So that's kind of interesting. Or trades and all kinds of stuff. Exactly. With the Nets, they're getting some good value here, I think. Dinwiddie at $18 million, he's got another year left next year. I think that's pretty valuable. And Dorian Finney-Smith was one of those guys that like I've coveted as a Grizzlies fan. Like he, if, if I could get him and put him in Dylan's spot and let him play his role that he does so well, like he's one of those guys who's just a star in his role. He was a good compliment to Luca. I think he's going to be a nice compliment to Kevin Durant if he's still there. His contract's twelve million this year, thirteen the next, fourteen and fifteen. He's not an unrestricted free agent until twenty twenty six. So like they've got somebody in in Brooklyn that like they really can stabilize their roster for next year. Like these two guys are going to you know be decent players, and you know in the East these, this this at least like assures them a play in spot if they keep those two guys and Claxton and a couple others that they have on the roster. Like they're they'll be okay at least. Not bum city. Uh, did you have any thoughts on the deal? Probably, you know, kind of same as you. I think Brooklyn in the long term won the trade. I don't see any way Kyrie's in Dallas next year. This is fully just a rental to clear up cap space, I think. And then maybe if everything – again, those two players, Luca and, and Kyrie, are all world players, especially one-on-one players. They're unbelievable. So maybe you just those two catch fire in the playoffs and you can make a run. Like I said, you never know how it breaks. Um, and they keep themselves in contention, even with trading those other two. And you just never maybe Kyrie falls in love and you you keep him for the next few years. But I just don't know how it works. You know, maybe it spells Luca a little bit where he's not playing thirty nine minutes a game and holding the ball thirty nine minutes of the game. Um so maybe he can actually sit on the bench a little bit, but they're still middle of the pack Western Conference team. So I don't know. It just seemed like Brooklyn got out from under somebody that makes you worse no matter what. If he comes to your team, you're worse. And uh, was just tired of dealing with him and decided, see you later. I mean, I feel like they got a. It, it feels like 70 cents on the dollar, but I think it was actually a pretty good return. I think it was and, too. Uh, I mean, I I feel pretty good about what they got, and especially if they're keeping Durant. I don't know if they are or not. I'm not. I'm not really sure. But for Dallas, I look at it as this: like it feels like a reasonable 
price to pay for getting a star. When you could trade role players for stars, even though like the role players are important, but when you could play role players, you know, trade role players for stars, like you, you kind of feel like you have to, especially in a situation where I, I think they kind of feel like the clock is ticking on Luca. There were some murmurs, I believe, before last season, maybe the season before that, but in one season recently where Luca was unhappy and maybe looking to get out of his contract, and it's like, dude, we heard about Luca, we heard about Zion. Teams have to act sometimes with with certain superstars like they're on a clock. If they don't impress them, then they're going to walk. And there's no franchise tag in the NBA, so it's you know you do you, you kind of are at the mercy of your star player. And I, I'm sure this is probably something Luca wanted. But I, I just started thinking, like, if he couldn't get along with Kristaps Porzingis, who I have no idea, I have nothing to do with his personality. I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. But they couldn't get along. They had to ship him out. Like, dude, I know Kyrie Irving's personality just through just from the media. And stuff. Like, this guy seems like a basket case. And I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast last night, and Ryan Rosillo was on. He's like, I would not want to go into business with Kyrie Irving. He's like, I wouldn't even want to like borrow five dollars from him. It's like it's the relationship changes from that point. Like, who know? Are you going to give it back to him? Do you, is he going to argue with you about it? Like, man, I did enjoy the meme came about him. Like, oh my gosh, wait till Kyrie realizes that that Dallas is where JFK was assassinated. Imagine the research he's going to be able to do in Dallas. Like all these things about. Imagine when he finds out that Memphis in Texas oh and all these things. Like he's probably going to take off a couple of weeks to go do something crazy there too. Who knows, man? What a we'll weird say that you, you're talking had. about the the star thing, and then. We can, because I I don't care to talk about Kyrie Irving. He annoys me. So um, there's always something. Every month there's something new. So, uh, but you saying about the clock ticking with stars, young stars? Keep going with rookies and drafting rookies and see how long Jaw's happy. Yeah. You're right. And trading people that he like Melt. Like him and DeAnthony Melton were probably the closest on that team last year. Yep. And was a good young player, and you replaced him with Jake Laravia. Like that boy be hooping though. Like keep keep hustle. doing this every year, and just going. We're we're great at drafting, and we'll be good because of our drafts. We're going to look up in two years if we're not making it past the second round, and he's going to be going. Y'all don't have enough around me. Yeah. Or he feels like he's carrying it all himself. You know, like yeah. I mean, some guys just want some help. I think you're going to get that with Jaron and uh, Bain, like stepping up and growing into their roles a little more. I think you're ultimately going to end up being like a three-headed monster with those guys, but you're going to need pieces around it. Like you're just going to need it, and we don't have it right now. And I, I, I think the the clock doesn't seem as threatening with him. Like I, I really think he's going to go out through this next contract and then sign another one. But maybe by the end of that I next one, it's different. I don't know. So we'll see. Last thing I want to mention on the Kyrie trade, and it was the the rumored offers from elsewhere. We don't have an exact package with the Clippers, but we did get revealed what the Lakers offer was, and it included the 27 and 29 unprotected first-round picks, which I thought was a pretty interesting offer, which I'm assuming Russ would have had to been at that deal too, which maybe makes sense why they declined it. And the Suns offered Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, and picks. Like – would you have taken any of those offers if you were Brooklyn over that one? No, I don't think I would take the Chris Paul thing because I don't think – I think the Nets realize we don't have enough outside of KD. Like KD's not the KD that's going to just carry you to a title anymore. So, yeah, maybe we'll still make the playoffs and we maybe figure it out down the road or now we got to trade piece with 
KD next year, whatever. I think they're looking down the road. And Chris Paul's a you, – you're expecting to win a title right now. Like, if you're taking that on, yeah. you want to win a title this year. And then Jay Crowder, as you know, we loved him in Memphis. I love the way he plays. He's one of those guys you want on your team as opposed to have to playing against them. But he's a above-average NBA player that's on the last few years of his career. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think they probably took what what gives them the best chance to stay competitive now, and and also get a little bit of future, uh, a little bit of, of, of future picks, and also young players that maybe are are part of your future. So I think they went right. I'm probably with it too. And I saw it. I'm like, I, I think it's nice to possibly have the Lakers 27 and 29 first, but like that's four and six years from now. Like you so don't know long, where the Lakers yeah. are going to be. They always get stars, so it's like they could be awesome in four years and not have any of the same players they have now. And we're talking about like twenty-seven to twenty-nine. We're talking about twelve and fourteen-year-olds, possibly. Like we just don't know. Like you know, those guys are twelve and fourteen right now. I mean, who knows? I, I think they probably made the right call. I really do. Somebody's gonna bite on those Lakers picks, but I, I think Brooklyn was smart not making it them. I think they also wanted to make sure they had players that could be competitive next year. They didn't yep. want to totally leave a blank slate uh, for 23-24 season. Hey, and Dinwiddie was <laughs> great in Brooklyn the first go-around. Oh, yeah. He was awesome there. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk some, uh, talk some football and have uh, random questions. All right, we're back, and we wanted to talk some NFL here. Uh, so big coaching news. I think these are worth mentioning. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of be quick with them. But uh, definitely some big news here with Sean Payton going to Denver. Um, already making news today, he locked out uh, Russell Wilson's personal coaches. We said in the press conference that he's not going to allow them to come to the facility, which, like, as a, like, Russell, like just standard Russell Wilson disliker and guy, he's, kind, he's like a big nerd. I uh, I enjoyed that. I do like Sean Payton, so it's kind of cool to see him. Like, hey, this is how it's going to go. It's me, then it's you. They gave up a first-round pick for him, which, I mean, I know he's awesome. Like, but, like, a first-round pick for a coach seems pretty substantial. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Sean Payton going to Denver? Yeah, I think um, – I think – there's it's been proven over the past few years that coaching matters more in the NFL than maybe we we thought it did when you had players the quarterbacks being so good like when the Peyton Manning thing started and then uh that was what quarterbacks did where they came up and they were changing plays and reading defenses in live time and and changing hot routes and different things like that with the receivers and you know quarterbacks that was like what you did that's not so much the case anymore. Like uh, there's a lot now of the coaches are telling you, this is what we're going to do. And if you, if this one thing, you see this one thing, we're going to change plays, but really it's more like college now. Everything's so there's still hot routes and you still got to read defenses, but they're just so, um, I think coaching matters so much more now with the way these offenses are set up that you're realizing that it, it's, way more important, like I said earlier, than than we used to think it was. That and so if you're getting who's probably a top three quarterback in the NFL or a quarterback coach in the NFL. I was like, wait, hold on. No, <laughs> if you're getting like a top three coach in the NFL, I think that's worth a first round pick. Like he's gonna be your coach for the next ten years. 
Like you're keeping that guy around, and you see what he did with New Orleans and Drew Brees. I don't think it'll be the same thing in in Denver, but I'm not putting anything past him. So I don't I don't think a first round pick is that 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 bad for a, a top three coach. You know, I'm not sure what else they have. I do know they gave up a ton of picks, like just boatloads of draft capital, uh, to get Russell Wilson. And uh, like, so they, they might be kind of behind. And we talked about it with the Cowboys. I've mentioned it with to you about the Chiefs, like how like just the drafted players like mean so much. Like you got to be able to draft, and that might hurt their team building in the long run, especially with how much they've got committed to Russell Wilson, who did not show that he was anything last year. My belief is that Sean Payton's going to find a way to turn him around. We're not so far removed from Russ being good if not great, that I can't – like I, I feel like he's at least going to get good out of me. And I think if you get good out of the quarterback position there with the defense that they have and a lot of the – they got some pretty good offensive weapons, if, uh, especially if Javante Williams can come back healthy next year. Like I think Sean Payton could have some fun with that offense. And uh, I'll, I'll say it doesn't quite scare me. It's like like I don't, I don't view them yet as a threat to the division, but it's just another – Tougher upon. I don't think we're going to be able to count them as an automatic win like we have since like 2015. Um, the, the Chiefs, anyway. I don't. I don't. I don't. I feel like they're going to be in the hunt. Like you're going to see them next year in that hunt for a wild card spot. Uh, one of those last teams to get in, and maybe better, just because Sean Payton is Sean Payton. Like I think, like Andy Reid, Sean Payton, Tayball, those are the coaches that I'd want. Maybe Sirian. I don't know about Sirian. I'm, I'm not really sure. I think he's awesome. Like follow him to it. He's one of those follow the abyss guys, it seems like. But like Reed, Peyton, Dayball would be three of my favorites for sure. And uh yeah, it, it makes it makes sense for them for sure. If but a first round pick, for the next fifteen years, 10, 15 years, then the first round picks nothing. Like if they're still terrible in the next three years and you're going, Oh, we may have to fire this guy, then that's when the first round pick is looked back on as terrible. So we'll we'll talk about it again. No, we won't. Somebody will talk about it again in 10 years and go, that was worth it or not. Yeah. <laughs> if you ask me, like, so Andy Reid was hired by the Chiefs in 2013. And if they had to give him a first round pick, if I, if I knew that now, I said, hey, like, would you trade a first round pick for the 10 years yes. you've had with Andy Reid? It'd be an easy yes. Yes. Like, just as long as I'd, it I'd trade five of them. Draft. Yeah. <laughs> probably. Um, the other coaching news was D'Amico Ryan headed to Houston. Like, I'm old enough to remember him as an Alabama linebacker, and it's crazy that he's a head coach. That is one that made me feel incredibly old. And uh, I think Houston has finally ended the cycle of hire and fire, turn and burn, they have with Lovey Smith and uh, was the guy they had before that. I can't remember his name. I, I called him Uncle Dave for some reason. I don't know. He looked like some his uncle. Um, I'm sure he was. No offense. You're an uncle. I'm an uncle. <laughs> you know, I think no. this is the guy they're going to have long term, and um, I think he'll be there a while. I think their offensive coordinator hire is huge, especially if they're going to take a quarterback. I don't really know what the offensive coordinator market looks like, but I think this is a crucial thing. Like you've seen good, talented quarterbacks struggle because they have to shoot coordinators so often. If you can get that head coach offensive coordinator, quarterback marriage right early on, you really have a chance for something great. And uh, 
if you were Houston and you had your eye on one of these quarterbacks in the draft, who do you who do you like the most? Could I go off the wall and say I wouldn't draft a quarterback this year? Yeah. Again, I don't think it's because one of these quarterbacks couldn't be really good. Like I think Bryce Young and uh, C.J. Stroud both could be. I don't know about Will Levis, but those two I, I could see being really, really good. Um, but I don't think either one of them are like franchise, just great top five quarterbacks in the league at any given time. I don't think either one of them are that. So to me, I would draft the best player available because not always is the quarterback the best player available. You're just taking them early because you got to take a quarterback, right? Most important position. So I would build out my team and then maybe next year or the year after go get that young quarterback. And now instead of being – that quarterback's three years or four years into their contract, and now you finally got the team built around them. This player's walking in first, second year, the team's built ready to go, and you're bringing in a good young quarterback. I don't know. I just I don't think if you bring in a quarterback, they're winning anything in the next three years anyways, like, even yeah. if they're awesome. I don't care if Joe – you can put Joe Burrow or whoever on that team right now that's still a young quarterback, and they'd go turn it, th- turn it around right now. So, it's definitely about more than the quarterback. It's just, I mean, that's that's. I don't sure. know if you could put Mahomes on that team in there. They may make the wild card. It, they're not. They're not good. I, 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 yeah, they're not good. The defense was better this year. They benefited from the draft capital they got in the Watson trade. I think they have some more picks with that this year. I think they have another yeah. first round pick. Um, so that'll be that'll be helpful. Kind of build that out, and maybe next year's the year. That you uh, you chase the quarterback. All right, so you know this year's quarterbacks. You know you've got Bryce Young at the top, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson. Yeah, it's there's others I'm not sure of. Um, <clears throat> would you rather? All right, you got those four guys. Would you rather take this year's class or the guy that I'm about to mention? Those guys or Caleb Williams? Caleb Williams. Those guys or Drake May? I would take Drake May this year if he could come out, but yeah, probably Drake May. <laughs> okay, those guys or Michael Penix? Ah, uh, no. Yeah, he's the third guy off the board. Yeah. According to next what about year. that we Quinn Ewers guy? Isn't he? Can he come out this year? Next year, Quinn Ewers. Or yeah, next year. Bo Nix, Jalen mm-hmm. Milrow, Kyle. That Quinn Ewers guy was like one of the top-rated quarterback prospects like of all time. Yeah, I mean, it's, I want to see what he does this year. But yeah, and I, if I think Texas that's rolls for a full year, like he'll go top three. I would like take Caleb awesome. over those guys. I think this year's guys, I'd be yeah. close on Drake May. It's it's tough. It's like, but it you look at him about like, the same. Yeah. Like obviously, like Stroud or uh, Bryce Young, and you're not going. Oh yeah, I'm taking them immediately over uh, Drake May. So they got to be right here. So why not wait a year? My feeling on the guy that's going to be the best quarterback out of this draft is that it's going to be Will Levis because no one thinks he's going to be, <laughs> and that's like he just has the crazy arm talent. It, it all depends on where he goes. Yep. Like. If he goes to a terrible franchise and he's in, you know, perpetual doom and gloom, his career will be nothing. But if he goes somewhere and gets the offensive coordinator merit correct, 
the head coach married correct. Like I think the sky is the limit for that dude. He could sit a year, play behind somebody who's decent, and really learn everything. He's got all the talent, and he eats banana peels like whole, and that's just like a savage human being. Like that guy. Yeah, he's a weirdo. He eats the whole banana. He's a weirdo. The whole banana, man. Like just the whole banana. That's insane to me. That ought, that ought yeah, to I don't want him on my team. <laughs> Are you sure? You got Dak Prescott. I mean, you take any of these guys. Yeah, you I probably take, would. You're uh, right. Yeah, Jalen. All right, that's right. enough about the Cowboys. Let's keep on going. <laughs> it's sore spot. All right, last thing before we um, move on to random questions. We had some big retirements in the last week, too. Man, so much happened last week. Tom Brady retiring for the second time. 2.0. Goat. Like to say around here. Goat. <laughs> He's the best of all time, and like I think you're not having best quarterback of all time like conversations with him. I think you're having best athlete of all time conversations with him, uh, like Goat. best overall football player. Yep. You take history or Jordan's? Brady. Really? Yeah. Probably would. Winning the most. Winning the most. Jordan doesn't have the most rings. No. Tom Brady has more rings than every other franchise. And the NFL. So crazy. Like, he's in the most popular sport. He was at the top of it for the longest and won the most championships. I, I think it's easily hands down you take his career over any, any other athlete. I mean, yeah. there's like Serena Williams and some of those, but like that's individual Tiger Woods. Like maybe you take Tiger or Jack, but like as a team sport, if you're taking an individual's career, I think it's got to be Brady. In the hardest sport to win, too. Like, it's so hard. To and I feel like the, him going to Tampa and doing it oh, stamped yeah. it even more. <laughs> Sore spot. <laughs> Sore spot. Make, make, we'll make that go away next week, hopefully. Um, crazy stuff's been happening with him, though. Like, apparently a, uh, a young lady – bottled up some sand from the spot where he did his retirement video and listed it on eBay. And she was not the only one to do this. I looked it up and like she was the first and her listing had bids up to a hundred thousand dollars. And I saw at least seven more with uh, bids of at least 12,000. So it was just, just wild. I think those are probably like bids that are like the comedy bids. I think, I think they're actually going to, I got some that. oceanfront property in Arizona. That's what I feel like that was. Yeah. It feels like, like you're getting sold like fairy dust. His butt was in this sand. Got to have it. Tom Brady retired right here. This sand. So stupid. This is like people have bagged oxygen from events. And sold that on eBay. I was on the I plane remember. with. In 2001, oh, the Diamondbacks won the World Series. They beat the Yankees. And I remember someone uh, caught Luis Gonzalez was the player. He spit out his gum in the on-deck circle. And I guess somebody reached out for his gum <laughs> and sold it on eBay. Oh, that's <laughs> nasty. Gum from Game five of the World Series or whatever. That's disgusting. That's nasty. Come on. Oh, he's taking pictures in his underwear. Yeah, man. man, he's living his best life. Those are his he, new briefs. Oh, yeah. They're going to sell like crazy, too. Everybody's going to want a piece of that goat briefs, whatever they're called. 
he I, he's so awesome. He's so awesome. He's something else, man. I there's he's the only one. He doesn't care. He doesn't, he care. Like, he doesn't care what anybody thinks. No, you're right. No, he doesn't care. No. He doesn't have that same like kind of cultural impact that Jordan did. But I think he liked it that way. Oh yeah. I still think like that's the unpopular opinion, and we won't get into it now. But if Jordan didn't have his shoes, he's not Jordan. I agree. Completely. He's still one of the greatest he, he's still one of the greatest of all time. But he's not this like legend or what I don't even know what, what he is at this point. Like he's not a what he is. Figure. Yeah. It's like gods of Mount Olympus kind of thing. And Michael yeah. So feels that way. Yeah, Brady didn't have any of that. Are you looking forward to seeing Brady as a broadcaster? I don't know. Like I didn't think Romo would be good when he started. And I'm a huge Romo fan. So I, you never know. Like he could be great if they let him just if there's no chains, like just go be you. Obviously the he's not gonna cuss and all that, but like just go be you and <laughs> go dissect football and predict plays and tell us what's going on. But I think I don't know. It's, he's got the personality, but you just never know about these guys. Like you never know how they're going to be. Who would have thought um, Troy Aikman when he was coming out was going to be that good? You know what I mean? And become yeah. who everybody wanted last year when his contract was up. You know, and I think it depends on who he's with. I think that's just a, a, as big a part of it as as anything is who's who's the play by play guy. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I think there's a chance he's awesome, but you never know. Like Drew Brees stunk at it. Yeah. I mean, and I would have told you he would have been good. Like, he was a pretty smart cerebral quarterback. And, uh, I mean, had plenty of personality and charisma. Was beloved in the city of New Orleans. Like, I, I was surprised that he wasn't good at it. And he, you know, his career ended there so soon. The, the predicament that Fox is going to find itself in is that Greg Olson is awesome. Like, mm-hmm. he's – I think he's the new best, like, TV analyst for football right now. And it would be a shame to see him – you know, lose his spot to Brady. I know Brady's awesome. Brady's great and nobody will care. But Olsen has uh Olsen should have made him a lot of money. He may end up on a different network with a you know with an A team job. Maybe he's on Amazon Prime instead of Herb Street who likes to talk about college football all the time on the NFL broadcast. Maybe he's doing something about football instead of ah, here's the guy. He's a he's a quarterback. He's good. It's Tyler Huntley. He's a pro bowler. I love Romo. I everybody talks shit. I love Romo. But, uh, I love Romo. Collinsworth. I, I, I vote that they get rid of uh, Collinsworth. Were you doing Romo or Collinsworth? Oh, uh, Collinsworth. Oh, I yeah, like I'll Romo. Get rid, get rid of Collinsworth. I'm tired of him. Yeah. I guess my impression wasn't good if you couldn't figure out the difference between Romo thought, and Collinsworth. I thought you were doing Romo. Romo, sound, <laughs> Romo, for some reason, now sounds like he smokes five packs of cigarettes a day. He's different now. Something's changed. I think he and Nance have kind of lost a bit of chemistry there. Yeah, I don't think they like each other. It feels that way. There's been a lot of reports. I think when he got that contract, Nance was a little pissed off. Like, it's my show, bro. My show. Yeah. He's the only play-by-play announcer that goes down there on the podium. It's usually a sideline guy or a studio analyst that goes down there. No, Jim Nance isn't a play-by-play guy now. He's just Jim Nance. Yeah, like he's just Jim bigger Nate. than he's bigger than the play by play. He's like people think that he they tune in to listen to him. 
Like if you ask yeah. CBS, you would think that they're going to tune in the Final Four because Jim Nance is there, not because it was North Carolina and Duke playing in the Final Four against each other. No, Jim Nance. Yeah, Jim That's Nance. It. One more retirement. This is just kind of honorable mention section of the show. AJ Green retired today, and uh, it's been a while since we've seen it, but his prime was awesome. And unfortunately, kind of marred by injury. He missed a couple of seasons. And uh, when he was good, he was really good. And he was everything we wanted in the one receiver. He always seemed to kind of get overshadowed by other stars like Julio Jones or maybe, maybe, and I was, was going to say Devontae Adams. That's not who I'm thinking of. But DeAndre Hopkins, like some of these guys would overshadow him. And he was consistently in that group of like top five receivers, always in that like late second round in fantasy drafts every year. If he was healthy, he was going to produce. He won a lot of money in daily fantasy and season-long fantasy over the years, and I hated to see his career kind of end where he's, you know, not doing too much, but, man, his peak was insane. He was so good. Yeah, he – him and Julio, I remember them in college. It was like these are the two fastest, most physical at the same time receivers. It was like – Terrell Owens, five to, what well, I guess later than that, like, you know, years later, um, it's like these two guys took what he did to like a whole nother level. They were just faster, bigger, stronger. It was like you took a hybrid tight end and made him a legit number one rod receiver. It's how big and strong those guys were and could jump, go high point a ball. They could be possession receivers. Like them, DeAndre, there was just a, that around that class, those two coming in together, they just – it was a different receiver, and I think they kind of changed the game. Like they don't get credit for it, but just the way they were able to make every play, run routes, they did everything great. So yeah, salute to uh, to AJ Green. Isn't it Him crazy? Georgia was unbelievable. Oh yeah, isn't it crazy? He had this great career with Andy Dalton as his quarterback for like most of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm no Andy Dalton <laughs> hater. He's like. He's sneakily like high in a lot of like quarterback record books just because of the era that he played in and how long he played. But I mean, it helped him to have a guy like AJ Green to be able to chuck it to. Hey, AJ down there somewhere. He gonna Gotta be down it. there somewhere. Kind of like how my home is with Kelsey. Oh yeah, it's exactly what it is. Wait, what did you say? I said that's how like my home is with Kelsey. Hey, he was like that with Hill it up. sometimes. Kelsey's Kelsey's down there somewhere. Now, Joe Burrow's like that with Jamar Chase last week. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's nice when you get two guys to do that with. Yeah. Also, sneaky thing, the Bengals always have good receivers, it feels like. I'm just thinking Higgins, yeah. Chase. Hushmanzada. Boy. Ocho Cinco. Hushmanzada, you mentioned. Even back in the 90s, you probably don't remember him, but it's Carl Higgins. It feels like my entire yeah. life, even when the Bengals sucked, they had good receivers. There's so many good receivers now. I feel like that's the thing about the draft now. You better take a receiver early because it could change yeah. your entire offense. Oh, yeah. Jamar Chase changed so, a lot for them. Yeah. Justin Jefferson, C.D. Lang. I mean, there's so many now. And you can get them in the 20s sometimes too. Oh, yeah. There's some great ones. That you better get them. Garrett Wilson. Yep. I think Jameson Williams is going to be awesome. There's more, for sure. Olave, lots, so of many, so many. All right, let's take a break and then come back and do random questions.
All right, we're back to close out the show with random questions. The segment we couldn't name, so we just left it to what it was, told the truth, just like Mama told us to do. Let's ask you sort of some random questions. And, uh, random questions. I need to clip that soundbite for the next show. We don't have any drops. Random questions. Wait, 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 wait. There it is. Random questions! <laughs> Let's go! All right. I'll let you go first last time. I'm going first this time. Here we go. Random question number one. All right. You can go back and relive one sporting <laughs> event. What did I do? I'm can you hear a dog drinking water next to me right now? <laughs> I can see it picking up on the sound on my screen. I'm like, all oh, you're going to hear <laughs> in the background at this point in time. So hold on. Now let's ask questions. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe question number one needs to be, what, what is that sound, bro? You just told us. It's okay. Oh, man. All right. We're not editing it out. We're just going to roll with it. Let it be. I saw you giggling over there. I'm like, what What happened, man? I didn't think okay? you could hear, but I could see like the sound popping up where it was picking up in the background. I'm like, Jesus. All right. Let's, I'm just going to laugh see the you whole here. time. All right. I'm, I'm good. We're ready. All right. So you can go back and relive one sporting event that you've been to in your life. You had to have been to it. What event would it be? What event would you go back and relive one that you've been to? Hmm. And the outcome's the same and all that. You're not yeah, changing. Yeah, you you're just, change just going back and reliving everything about it. Yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to think. I'm like going through like the Tigers, like that 0708, because I went to so many of those games, but we went to the tournament game, but I didn't go to the final four. So I feel like I wouldn't, there's no game that stands out to me during those years that I'm like, that was fun. Um, Grizzlies games, man, what was a game six? No mm-hmm. game five of the Spurs series. Six, six. That's right. Cause we're at home. That's when we closed that one in game three. When Zebo hit the step back, I think it was game three when he hit the step back Ooh. three, that was good. Um, and chanting Zebo going down the the stairs was great, um, but I think as I'm sitting here going through the Ole Miss Memphis game football 2015 when we beat them at home went down on the field Paxton Lynch played out of his mind I think just as a whole day we started tailgating that morning. We get in there, we're down, what, 13 nothing, and we're going, like, we get in there and it's 13 nothing. It's like, well, we can probably just go back out to the parking lot. This is going to be over. Kim Dietschy gets hurt. Like, we stopped him on that fourth and one. He gets hurt, whatever. And that game just from there on out was a blast. What was the final score? I think it was like 30, 30 something, 17. I mean, it was a butt whooping at the end. Yeah. And, uh, but then just like going out afterwards, we went downtown to the square. Like, it was just, like that whole day, I think if I could relive the entire day, that's probably it. Probably close second again, Memphis Tiger football. I think just because you have so many people, the SMU Memphis game and college game day, like that whole day too. If you get to relive all of it, those two are probably right there at the top. I get to relive my favorite part of the SMU game after you've had a few adult beverages, live photo of you raising your arms up in there. Whoa! 
And it's sitting back now. I need to find a way to get this live photo on the internet. It's the greatest can, live photo. We can't change the game of the outcome or the outcome of the game, but can we change the outcome of how I watched the game? <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, I, I might need to relive it. Like honestly, I remember it. I might yeah, remember it. Antonio Gibson returning the kickoff in the second half to start. The rest I remember wow. from recording it. <laughs> Man, that that game was awesome. The environment was awesome. It was just crazy to me that that could happen for a Memphis and SMU football game. Yeah. Mine's more difficult. When I asked this question, I wasn't really prepared enough to answer it. I, I think I leaned more towards Grizzlies games because I was thinking a lot of my greatest like Tiger memories end up in losses. The Final Four, I loved the Final Four. Maybe I could say the UCLA game where CBR dunked all over Kevin Love. That one was pretty great. I was so far away from it, though. I, I got I get, if I could read a bit closer, that'd be that'd be cool. But I was so far, like they look like ants playing from the top of the album dome. I might as well have been swinging from the rafters. But such a cool experience going down there and being able to walk around San Antonio, which is the absolute most like perfect city for an event like that. I mean, you can host so many people. The Tigers are their own dedicated restaurant. Like we had people come by all the time talking to us. That that would be up there if it's not number one. Man, I I, uh, I think my number one is it's got to be Game Six of the of the Grizzlies playoff series in 2011, beat the Spurs, and Zach just takes over that game in, in the fourth. We're all losing our minds. I think if I'm talking about a single game, that's it. If I'm going full event, I'm probably going back to the Final Four. But there's one I didn't think about until you started talking about football. And it was when Memphis beat Ole Miss when Eli Manning was the quarterback. And that was another big one. Yeah, Ole Miss is a common denominator here. Even that UCLA one was very fun. Probably not the very top of it, but still. I I think I'm going to Spurs game six, 2011. Beginning of the good grind era that we all know and love. I miss those teams. Yeah, I'm right there. Just the atmosphere when you get almost 65,000 in a stadium compared to 18-5 18-5 or 19, just all of it. And the SMU game more so because it was all Memphis fans. Where Ole Miss, it was like 50-50, which made it enjoyable too because then you just got to talk smack for the entire game and for a while. So that that, that made it fun. But now I can't go wrong with yours either. Hey, I got to get off the radar. You probably know that I did this, but this is maybe 2003 or four. can't remember the early 2000s. Uh, Expos and Braves at Turner Field. Okay. I can just remember sitting there behind home play with my dad and still the greatest pitching performance I've ever seen. I don't even know how many runs the guy gave up that night. But it was Bartolo Colon's first start with the Montreal Expos. Fernando Tatis Sr. was playing for the Expos. Pretty sure he had a grand slam in the game. And I just remember seeing Bartolo Colon peak at powers behind home plate Throwing 100 mile an hour, 100 mile an hour, four seamer when that was a little there. A 98 mile two, 98 mile hour two seamer. It just you could you could feel it pop on home plate, and you hear it. Yeah. Like you go get concessions, and you still hear it pop, pop, pop. I mean, it was so awesome, and uh, I'll never forget it. We also watched. Um, do you remember Andres Colorado? Yeah. Him taking batting practice that day. He's like hitting. Bomb after bomb into the upper left field in <laughs> Turner Field. 
maybe that one because I can't go back and actually see Turner Field. And I don't know. It's an off. It's, it's like the one I put in the top five. I'm like, oh, just a good memory. But yeah, I'm, yeah. I'll never forget the feeling of watching Bartolo Colon pitch from That's cool. He was awesome. All right, second question. Who's your favorite sports broadcaster? Sport doesn't matter. Do you know what popped in my head first? Um, no. So maybe this is it. Michael Cole. J.R. Jim Ross. <laughs> uh, just because like, he was literally like the only voice I remember from like a broadcasting voice is like a childhood memory. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, my God, it killed him. Um, but sports, I don't know. Um, man, that's a tough it one. Counts. The one I probably listened to the most, because when I first moved back to Memphis, I didn't have like cable TV. It was before streaming and stuff. So unless I went to a bar to watch the Grizzlies, I would listen to Eric Castleton on my phone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would listen to him half the games of the year. You know, so 40, 45 games a year, I, w- I would just listen to him laying on the couch or laying in my bed. I would just turn on the Grizzlies game and listen. And he's unbelievable. So maybe him, just because I, that's who I listen to the most. It's a tough one, isn't it? But There's a lot of good ones. But it, I'm going with Jim Ross. I like it. <laughs> I used him uh, last week, and I got this thing called – I think it's called a guasha tool. And it's supposed to like – yeah. I don't even know what it is. It's like a it's like a little piece of like a hard rock or something like that. And it's like you're like supposed to push it on your face and it like moves inflammation elsewhere. I don't know where. Mm-hmm. So I started like trying to pretend it was a wrestling weapon. Like, My God, it's Bray Wyatt. He's got a guasha tool. Bray Wyatt like has someone... a guasha tool. Broke him in half. But what's all? The... I mean, he's whooping him like a government mule and. Oh, uh... Is gonna stump a mud hole and walk it dry. <laughs> like I mean, there's so many. There. I didn't know what the word audacity meant until he said it. The audacity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so oh, you could just go man. on and on for days with Jr. quotes. The bygone. Get killed. Bygone. That's Rick oh, Thornton's music. <laughs> so cold. So cold. Stone cold. Get after one just pretending to be next. Next podcast is just an all in JR voice. Yeah, let's do it. You got it. I think my favorite is, uh, oh man, I just had it in my head and I lost it. I think mine's Kevin Harlan. And I'll never forget, uh, him saying doink the other night. <laughs> doink. <laughs> but my favorite Harlan moment is, uh, the Chiefs oh, were in week 17. Is go it the cat? No. That was great. Uh, all right, go ahead. All right, Chiefs are week 17. If they win, I can't remember who they're playing, but if they win their game and the Patriots lose their game, then they get the first round bye. The, the Chiefs are pulling away. They're up late. And Kevin Harlan is is watching the Dolphins and Patriots on the monitor. And it's calling the other game. He's calling the Dolphins and Patriots on the Chiefs broadcast. <laughs> like that's what I wanted to know. So it was that is hilarious. Like, it's the most in touch I've ever seen an announcer be. That's so uh, funny. Like, and I just think he's always like a little like over the top. Charming, oh yeah, you know, like, knows his stuff. It's like, like the Vitel thing back in the day. Like 
just so over the top and just there's a personality to it. He know how to he know how to like say something with so few words. Uh, when Ron Artest changed his name to Meta World Peace, and we're watching a Lakers game, and like basic announcer says, Ron Artest puts the ball in the lane, two dribbles to the right, down the lane, he hammers it home. But he caught it. Well, it was Metal World Peace at the time, not Ron Artest. I said it wrong. See, look at me. That's why I'm doing this, not that. But he gets the ball on the wing. Meta's got the ball there. And he just goes, Meta? And he starts driving. World? And he dunks it. goes, Peace! <laughs> it was just like the greatest call of a ho-hum dunk on a Tuesday night regular season game. It was just cool. He, I, he, he it's funny. I feel like as a way of doing that. Up until like six or seven years ago, just because I drive so much and travel so much, I didn't know he did football on the radio. Yeah. And so like I'm just turning on a game and I'm like, oh, I'll just listen to like Monday Night Football or whatever it was, or maybe it was a playoff game. I'm driving, I'll just turn it on and listen to him call it. And I just sat there and listened to him because it was just I didn't care about the game really at all. But it was entertaining to listen to him. And actually that was the game with the cat, and then I ended up seeing it on TV. But him oh, calling man. the cat in the NFL game on radio was just I mean, it's priceless. It's so good. He's if you haven't great. heard it, look it up because it is he's the cat, he's down to the five, four, three, two, touchdown. I mean, it is perfect. <laughs> I think he's the absolute best. It, like, it's crazy to me that nobody picks him as their A announcer, but I love him as the B guy. He's great. Yep. All right, knock yours out. All right, my first one. The Pro Bowl was uh, this past weekend. I think they did a better job. I didn't actually get to watch the – the flag football game, just saw highlights, but them having McAfee and Herb Street on there, I heard it was really good. Um, but on Friday night, they the AFC versus NFC, they played a bunch of just like random games. Like they had like a tic-tac-toe with the kickers. The quarterbacks did like the little carousel type, you know, thing and water balloons and dodgeball, all, all kinds of stuff, a long drive contest. Um, but if you could pick one like sport or game for them to play as a contest, what would it be? I got two thoughts. One of them is something we do at field day at Lake of Prep. The other is just I'd like to see other, see them play like each other's positions. Like I want to see quarterbacks kick or I want to see kickers play quarterback or defensive. I want to see Indomitian Sue throw a pass or something like that. Let me get uh, let me get Aaron Donald running an out route. That, that seems fun. Um Maybe they, maybe in the flag football game they have to play different positions. That could be cool. But the one that we played like in prep that I thought that I think is so fun, it's a, a water balloon volleyball. And it's not what it sounds like. It's the players are on each side of the volleyball net, and they all have to hold a bed sheet. And they have a volleyball on their on their side, and they have to fling it over to the other side. Back and forth, and, and like you, they have to catch it. You have to be able to move your sheet and catch it. I don't know if that'd be fun to watch on TV, but it's so fun to watch the kids do it because they can't do it at all. And like the disaster striking is so great, it's just really fun That's to awesome. watch. Yeah. So mine would be, and they would never do it, but so many of these football players are good at basketball, not just good, like great at basketball. To see them do like a 10 minute uh, two halves, 10-minute halves, and do five-on-five subs and everything and get real refs and let's play a real basketball game. 
even if they're they're not playing much defense, like I, there's just some guys out there that are really good. But I think that get their everybody that plays basketball wants to play football, and everybody that plays football wants to be good at basketball, and so you know, or good at golf or whatever it is. So them lining up and playing five on five, I think would be really entertaining. They'll never do it, it though because somebody get hurt. Even if they're like playing horse or something like that, that could be cool. yeah. Or I'd dunk contest or something. <laughs> Uh, so my second one, I just thought about this before we get on and it's tough. I tried to think about it. I don't know if I still have an answer for it, but if you could guarantee that the Grizzlies win the NBA title this year, but in return, they will never win another one in your lifetime. Would you take it? Hmm, that's tough. I've asked myself the same thing with the Chiefs, but now that they have one ingredient, I want more. I tend to feel like, I mean, do I get to, do I know it's coming and I know they're going to win, or like do I still get to? Or just say over the next five years, you get guaranteed one year that they're going to win it, or whatever they're going to win it, but recently, like in the next couple years, they're going to win. Okay. That changes a little bit. I if you know what's coming, that ruins the yeah the you know. But <clears throat> we the Grizzlies feel like a team that's going to win one. Like it, it doesn't feel like a team that's going to have like a sustained warrior model and be there like four out of seven years or anything like that. I think we're more than likely going to win one. Maybe you get to do something like that. So if I can guarantee it, yeah, I'd do it. This is my reasoning. This is my thing that makes me go back to it. That makes me choose that. It's because how often I read the 07 08 Final Four with the Tigers in my mind, and they freaking lost. And, like, in horrifying fashion, like, it's still talked about as being a brutal thing, but I had the freaking time of my life, and I wouldn't change it for the world. I mean, I wish we won. But, uh, I mean, the memories there are just incredible. So I guarantee one. Yeah, I'll take it. What about you? Yeah, I would. When we were sitting here, because I thought, of, like I said, I came up with a question and probably came up with the answer just a little bit ago. Just think about it here and there. But yeah, I would take it. Like even if you guaranteed me this year, like it was going to be this year, and I knew it, I'd still take it. Like I just, I don't think. Like there's teams that go 50, 60 years. That's where that's what you're talking about over the next 50, 60 years that that don't win it, and you're being a small market NBA team. You know your chances are lower than than probably half the league. So, yeah. yeah, I would take it. If you guarantee me this year, I'd take it. My question, what I was thinking before that, before I came up with this one, was I was going to put you in a tough bind. Would you take the Chiefs winning on Sunday and the Grizzlies not winning a title? Like, guarantee they're not going to win one. Or if the Chiefs don't win this Sunday, but you could guarantee a Grizzlies title over the next couple of years, which one would you take? It's really tough. That is tough. And it was really just to put you in a major pickle. I was just wanting to put you in a pretzel. <laughs> I, you I don't know if I could bend it to a pretzel if I tried right now, but uh, I could eat Mod it. Mod pretzel. Um, let's see. I'll be a pretzel stick. Just a round one. Um, I think it had to be the Grizzlies. 
Yeah. Just because I think the playoff ride is so much more fun. Like in the NBA, like getting all the way there. It's a freaking month and a half, you know. It's a long and time. And you can play almost 30 more games in the playoffs. Yeah. And I can actually go to the parade and the championship yeah. game. Like I can go to it. I can be a part of it. I'm going to feel a part of it. We're going to remember that in our city for the rest of our lives, you know. Yep. Oh, um, I agree. Dude, my but with it being so close to the Super Bowl, though, like you're six days away, that was what was like, oh, well, it's right here, though. Like, I'm there. <laughs> if they lose, you you might get a bag of poop delivered to your door by an anonymous killer. Well, just, I'll send it back to you question. when the Grizzlies win in, in June. I mean, I'll take it. I mean, at that point, <laughs> I'll, I'll know what it's for. I guess you will, too. Oh, you yingling. And probably now bag of poop if they lose. God, man. Can I have both? I put that juju on you. Well, another one way that say was if the Chiefs win, the Grizzlies can't win it, but you're not guaranteed one. I've already got a Chiefs one. Everything from now on is gravy. Like I mean, no, I, you just said, you just said you you got to have it. Like you just said, you're greedy. Oh, I'm greedy. I want it. But if I'm if I'm if I'm able to back up and have some perspective. Then I mean, yeah, I, I I can appreciate the fact we had one. And I could think back to the well, the rest of my life as a Chiefs fan. We hadn't won a freaking playoff game until Avery was born in 2015. Like that was the first playoff game we'd won since I was like six. I I'm barely knew that one. So I'm with you. I mean, the success is great. Man, I don't know. That's a tough one. I want the Chiefs to win every year, but. I've already got one, and if that's the only one you ever get, I'll remember it for the rest of my life. I'm freaking cry when it happened. So it's like it was it was such a big deal. I'll always remember it. I'm looking at a newspaper from you know from the World Series. I'm, not, I'm looking at the Cubs World Series. I'm looking at the Chiefs one of them winning the Super Bowl, and like it's I'm never gonna forget it. The Chiefs did Absolutely. not win the World Series. What am I saying? <laughs> it's ten o'clock at night. We gotta yeah. stop, dude. Come on. And we went for <laughs> an hour and a half again. <laughs> We're gonna go thirty minutes. Forty minutes. 40 minutes tops. Easy this time. Easy. It's going to take four hours to upload. Let's have fun. Illinois Go sit next internet. to my router. Freeburg ain't got it yet. Illinois internet. Freeburg ain't got it yet. Got to go put my uh, computer next to my router so it gets a little bit faster speeds. Plug that joker in, man. <laughs> I'll find it. Hey, we're going to later another episode later this week, right? Yep. Super Bowl preview. Trade deadline review. Bring what bring your menu for the for the Super Bowl and bring him on. Hey, yeah, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> hey, I'm going to the Grizz game Friday night and uh hoping I see a new player or two. Maybe we'll, not we'll Friday night. They may depend on when we make the trade. Don't think they're making it, so have fun watching Dylan Brooks. <sighs> I'm gonna sell my tickets. Peace out. No, I'm, not, I'm gonna go. Date night. All right, man. Peace and love.